It's time for Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, inviting the atheist, agnostic, and skeptic to examine for themselves the evidence for the Christian faith. We are all limited by what we do not know and by the things we think we know but are not true. Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott. Hello to everybody in the audience. Thank you for being here with me. In this episode, I want to return to the discussion of moral arguments for the existence of God. I wish to expand the moral argument I gave in episode 73. In that episode, I also discussed William Lane Craig's moral argument. Let me remind you of his premises and conclusion. Premise one, if God does not exist then objective moral values and duties do not exist. Premise two, objective moral values and duties do exist. Conclusion, therefore God exists. People may agree that if there is no God, then there are no objective moral laws. But the same people often will hesitate to agree with this other statement, If objective moral laws exist, then God exists. But actually, these two statements are logically equivalent. We see that by applying the law of the contrapositive. Thus, if the first statement is true, then so is the second. In other words, an equivalent form for premise one of Craig's argument would be, if objective moral values and duties exist, then God exists. In any argument, one needs to find a context that makes it easier to follow the logic so that the argument can be persuasive. In this case, the source is either supernatural, God, or some natural source. In his book, Miracles, Uh, written in 1947, and the revised edition came in 1960. The author C.S. Lewis describes two basic attitudes of thought about life, the universe, and everything. The first is naturalism, the view that the natural universe is the whole show. Carl Sagan, the charismatic creator of the TV show Cosmos, says in the introduction of the program, the cosmos is all there is, all there ever was, and all that ever will be. Naturalists claim nothing else exists. Any reality beyond what can be perceived by the five senses lacks plausibility. The possibility of miracles, for example, is ruled out in advance without giving any credibility to miracles. From the view of naturalism, seeking to find evidence for a miracle is as silly as looking as a sleigh powered by reindeer in the sky on Christmas Eve. 
A person who is biased against all things supernatural will never believe in anything beyond the natural unless he decides to abandon naturalism as his basic worldview. The second and opposite view is supernaturalism. The theistic view that the universe is a dependent creation of God. Time, space, and matter are all God's creation. And these only exist now because God chose to sustain them. Naturalism presents nature as a closed box with everything explained by natural cause and effect. Supernaturalism, on the other hand, sees nature as an open system, operating by natural law most of the time, but remains open to intervention by God. In my original argument, I listed five potential natural sources for moral truths. Since that time of my argument, in episode 73, I have discovered several other potential natural sources. My plan now is to demonstrate that none of these new sources are a sufficient source for objective moral truths. My expanded argument now is, premise one, objective moral truths exist. Premise two, these objective moral truths have an origin that is either God or a list of natural sources. Three, the list of natural sources are not sufficient to produce objective moral truths. Therefore, God is the source of objective moral truths. The weight of my argument rests on the first premise that there are objective moral laws. In episodes 74 and 75, I gave nine reasons supporting the truth that objective moral truths do exist. So I take it as a fact that objective moral truths exist and are true. Given that fact, then the next obvious question will be, what is the source of morality? Where did these objective moral truths originate? My argument follows a familiar pattern of argument. I call arguments like mine as an either-or argument involving two separate statements. For the sake of simplicity, I call these two statements either this or that. In the argument I gave in episode 73, my this is designated as God, and my that was a list of five possible natural origins as explanations for objective moral truths. There I showed the five natural origins were insufficient to explain objective moral truth. That is, they all failed to explain the source of objective moral truths. At that time, these were the only options of which I was aware. I have since discovered additional possible origins, and I will address them momentarily. My expanded argument argues, as before, that the inclusive disjunction of this or that is true. But then evidence is given to show the proposed that statement is false, because each fails in the list of potential sources for objective truths. Therefore, the this statement has to be true.
the this is a supernatural cause, namely God, and the that is the list of potential natural sources. Previously, I considered the five possible options other than God as source for values and duties. Today, I add seven more to the original list. <coughs> Excuse me. The last four came from an article on the Internet by Nick Bird called Eight Reasons of Morality. The list of potential natural sources are A, science, B, the natural universe, C, culture or society, D, the individual person, the self, and the person's intuition, human condition, human nature. E, chance or evolution. F, impersonal force. G, human reason slash platonic values. H, humanism. I, politics. J, emotion. K, pluralism. And L, religion. In episode 73, I gave reasons against the first five options. But now I can get the same conclusion a bit easier now. These values and duties can only come to us from a personal being. No impersonal force can lay a duty on us for the simple reason that it cannot promulgate a law. Only an intelligent agent can do so. Some animals are intelligent, but how can they promulgate a law to humans? That seems impossible. So that leaves us with a personal intelligent agent. This observation eliminates A, B, C, E, and F as a source of morality. The very notion of value and duty implies that the individual person's choices need to be regulated by some standard external to the person. This eliminates D. The existence of a standard or a law points us inescapably towards a lawgiver who is distinct from ourselves. If reason is offered as an option for the source of moral values and duties, then I ask, Whose reason? That of Hitler, Stalin, Mao, or Pol Pot, on the one hand? Or Mother Teresa or Billy Graham, on the other? Furthermore, if it's mine or your reason, surely we would agree that our reason shouldn't qualify as source for universal values and duties, because we have our own personal agendas, biases, presuppositions, limitations, blind spots, desires, ambitions, selfish behaviors, etc. Indeed, some theories of morality, ethical e egoism, for example, view selfishness as a kind of virtue. But most people would agree that the lure of sex Greed and power is poison for us all and can overwhelm our moral intuitions. We are all limited by what we don't know and by the things we think we know that are not true. 
How can our human reason act as a source of universal values and duties since that can be overwhelmed by our own personal agendas? We may all be susceptible. Well, rather than showing Platonism fails today, I refer you to the argument that William Lane Craig gives in chapter 6 of his book On God, or to chapter 14 of Trent Horn's book Answering Atheism. Humanism advocates for the individual human. To humanists, man is the measure of all things. Thus, I think humanism is limited by what limits a human, and I've indicated that our moral intuitions can be overwhelmed by our personal agendas. So in my thinking, the first eight options for a source of moral values and duties without God all fail. This leaves us with the last four options religion, politics, emotion, and pluralism. Let's first discuss politics. Much of human history involves political conflicts over obtaining and protecting power. But normally this involves coalitions of groups of people whose interest is in power and not in morality. How can that be as objective moral standards? Our emotional responses can condition us into liking some things and disliking others. Different people have different emotions. But how can the sum total of these preferences be objective? Pluralism is an appeal to more than one thing, authorities, principles, etc., so pluralism would hold that there are multiple sources of morality, but different moralities would have some things being moral in one and not in another. Thus, where they disagree depends on opinions and not on objectivity. Finally, let's discuss religion. When studying and comparing religions, numerous modern scholars have given explanations as to how to separate faiths. Many of these scholars have been educated in universities that have accepted evolution as a scientific and historical fact. Consequently, these scholars view religious faith within an evolutionary framework. Many of them would agree with the British evolutionary biologist Julian Huxley, who dismissed religion as a vestige of past ignorance and superstition. Huxley said, Gods are peripheral phenomena produced by evolution. In other words, primitive man invented the idea of God in an ancient superstitious time and theism has no relevance in today's society. Theories based on an evolutionary premise imagine that man's belief in God was first expressed in animism, ghost worship, totemism, etc. Ninian Smart, in the book The Religious Experience of Mankind, exemplifies this view. He says, 
Neither can we know how man first experienced the holy. It may have been that men, in becoming aware of themselves through the power of speech and in discovering their capacity to change the world, also felt a sense of rapture from the natural world about them. Note this is just speculation. Not a bit of evidence is offered as support. Not all scholars have reached this evolutionary conclusion, however. The Reverend Wilhelm Schmidt has provided us with a valuable book, The Origin and Growth of Religion. His basic thesis is that of a monotheistic faith being the first religion practiced by men. He presents evidence and offers many powerful arguments showing that man began with a belief in one God, and then that belief degenerated into, into belief in many gods. Greg Hannington has an excellent article entitled Wilhelm Schmidt and the Origin of Religion Online. It seems to me the belief in many gods would come up with multiple ideas about morality. How can that be a source of objective moral truth? This failure of these 12 sources of morality without God points to the truth of premise three. If these are all the options, then that takes us back to the transcendent God as the supernatural source of these moral values and duties. The only weakness that I see in my argument is that it is possible that there may be other conjectured sources of morality outside my list of 12. If I'm wrong here, I need a proof from an atheist to show me my error. But if not, then they are wrong in maintaining their atheism. Thus, their thinking is irrational. I close this episode by reminding you, exercise daily. Walk with the one transcendent God. Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave 94 at this email address, dougapple at wave94.com. And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave 94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app, Defending and Commending the Faith, with Joe Mott.